you're listening to Unique Leaders Podcast. I'm Megan DiMartino. Success is in the story. Each week, I'll be speaking with a unique leader, not only in their field, but in their lives. Join us for a glimpse of their passion and talents. There's always a surprise in their story. Be the first to hear. Hello, 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 and welcome to Unique Leaders Live. It is Friday, and I'm Megan DiMartino. I'm your host, and I am here to take you on a journey with our guest. Many people ask me over time, or have asked me over time, uh, how did you do this? How did you start? What was it that uh, helped you evolve to, I'm using my words, but uh, to what I do today? And it truly is not about today, although we're living in today, but the the evolution of this is in the story. And so over time, as I have been interviewing people, it is very clear to me that it is the, the richness of what they're doing today is in their story. And it helps you to identify that you, with your own dreams, goals, and aspirations, can do what we and they are doing in your own way, in a different way, but the success of their lives is in their story. Today, I have with me a treasure of a person. I have been blessed to get to know Angela Totman. She is uh, the, uh, you know, the woman behind the woman, and she will share that with with uh, the twenty some odd years she's been working with Sharon and Michael Lecter, and Angela is that quiet individual behind the scenes, but she is truly the powerhouse behind the scenes that make what uh, Sharon and Michael Lecter do so um, beautifully. And so I'm not going to ramble on about her background because quite frankly, I'm very excited about learning about Angela's uh, essence and what brought her to this place today and what her plans are for the future. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Angela Topman. Thank you so much, Megan. I'm so excited to be here. My pleasure, my true pleasure. So I gave our guests a little bit of your background, but we'll, through your story, so to speak, we'll get to uh, today. But let's just go back to young Angela. Where did you grow up? You know, a little bit about your family and about your um, recollection, I guess I would say, about your dreams and goals if and and maybe they hadn't um uh, germinated yet maybe so but again give us a little snapshot of young angela sure thank you so much for asking so uh, i was born in riverton wyoming which is a small town kind of centrally located in the state of wyoming i lived there until my family moved here to phoenix arizona i was about to turn seven and so we moved from this little town in riverton wyoming to big city in Phoenix, Arizona. And boy, was that a culture shock. That was probably the first time in my life I ever really feeling like disruption in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, But my my dad relocated here and um, was tired of shoveling snow. And he had a sister that lived here. My mom had a brother lived here. And um, over the years, we now have a huge family that lives here. I'm blessed to have family all around me. Both my parents live in the state. My husband's parents live in the state. My sister's here. My brother's not too far away over in California. So um, although it felt really uncomfortable at the time, I don't at all look back and regret it. In fact, uh, I don't think that I would have wanted to to grow up there. I'm glad that we made the move here because a lot of really great things came of it. Yeah. So seven is an interesting age. It's an age I recall myself at seven. Um, uh, and so with that said, uh, it's an age where you're beginning to really realize yourself. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you don't think that there's that m- much difference between a seven-year-old in one geography or location versus the other. But I mean, really, I at least my perception at the time is I remember it being very different. I remember being very scary, the things that kids talked about. And it was even little things. Like when I moved here, I said pop. Like that's what we referred to as soda. Mm-hmm. We didn't call it soda. We didn't, you know, say Pepsi. And my family didn't even drink soda, but um, we called it pop. And I even remember when I would say pop, and people would be like, "You call it pop? What is pop?" 
those little colloquialisms, you know, that uh, identified different regions. But uh, I, I do recall that I've moved from one side of Long Island to the other when I was almost 10. And uh, so I was a little bit older, but still that same type of, I grew up uh, really like um, uh, not in New York City uh, uh, neighborhood visualization, but a blue collar neighborhood, you know, where we were out on the street and we were to more of a uh, rural, you know, and it was very, very different and very uh, challenging because of the dynamics of that. And this was Long Island, one side to the other. So, yes, it's a big move as as children. And so you entered school. And, and as you said, you had great support with your family uh, there as well. So uh, were you always a great student because you have a brilliant mind? Oh, well, thank you, Megan. You know, I was always a, a pretty good student. I was a very good student the older that I got. Um, so, you know, took AP classes, had above a 4.0. I was very driven to do well academically. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of that honestly had to do it. And I don't remember how old I was, but I remember, I don't know if I was in grade school. I think it was middle school. And I had a teacher that nominated me for the National Junior Honor Society. And that was a really important thing for me, um, even though I was already doing well at school, because it required me to, to prepare a speech and to speak in front of everybody that was there. And um, it was somebody outside of my family that took interest and sh showed faith in me and mentored me through that process. And it, so I think it was around that same time. But I mean, I remember actually thinking in my head and making the decision I don't ever want to be average, you know, and, and at the time, how do you, how do you grade yourself? How do you measure yourself? Well, when you're in school, all you have is grades, uh -huh. you have your grades in school. And so that's what it became for me is I knew that I never wanted to be average. And so I became very motivated to be an excellent student. And when, so this was, like you said, this was junior high when this gentleman nominated you for the, uh, National. Murphy. It was Mrs. Murphy. I, we, I was just going to say, I was going to ask you, do you remember her name? Because, or, I do. Yes, those pivotal people, very key in our uh, evolution. And so, but, you know, the word average is an interesting word because pure is very important at that age mm -hmm. and uh, it, being accepted and all of that. So did that have any dynamic to it? Or did you just say, you know, I really don't care. I want to excel. Well, you know, I had, honestly, I've never thought about it, but that's a really great question. I, I was not a popular kid, so to speak. You know, I wasn't in the cool clicks. Um, I, you know, I, I had an old soul at a young age, so I was way more comfortable hanging out with the adults at the family functions um, or talking to the teachers or whatever it was. So um, that that very well could have had something to do with it is me trying to figure out how to find a place and still feel comfortable in my own skin and feel like, um, you know, I was living up or creating my own standard, even though maybe socially I didn't fit the mold. Mm -hmm. But I think that's uh, personally, uh, that's a blessing because uh, not to feel compelled to, you know, uh, run and, and have that drive to be in the cool gang and so forth. You know, it's it's a blessing to be able to be self-aware and to um, have your own goals and focus on those goals. And like you said, the old soul. Yes. To enjoy well, a natural awkwardness to me too. And, and I, I was, pro I mean, honest to goodness, I was in my early twenties before I grew out of my awkwardness and, you know, again, part of the blessing in disguise situation, I had to figure out a way to, to still feel like I was being me, even though maybe I didn't fit in and I wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't traditionally pretty. I had crooked teeth. I was tall at a very young age. I was taller than most adult women before I was in sixth grade. Yeah. So um, there was, I got made fun of a lot for that. And so again, it was like, looking back at the time, it seemed horrible. Mm -hmm. um, I never, I never hated being tall, but I never felt confident in my height mm -hmm. um, when I was a kid. But looking back now, you know, I wouldn't change any of it, of course. No, um, but, but you, I do want to point out because our guests, uh, and that's really the genesis of unique leaders. 
because people look at us, let's just say you and I, and say, wow, how did you do this? And, you know, you, you know, just started to be this uh, very successful person as you are. Um, but it it's a journey and it's it's figuring it out. And there are many people listening today or will listen on uh, YouTube or our podcast that will identify with this, Angela, meaning that it was... Um, I don't want to use the word struggle, but meaning it took work mm-hmm. to be present and to make those decisions to stay present in yourself. Yes. Yes. Because uh, No, because you are a tall person today. So I assumed you were because I was tall at, at a young age, mm-hmm. uh, taller. Let's just say that uh, at a young age. And so I was always towering over the boys like you, I'm sure, you know, and uh, and so forth. So, OK, so now junior high goes into high school and um, you excelled in high school and continued on your academic journey. Um, and where did you go to college? I went to college at Arizona State University. I graduated from the W.P. Carey School of Business there. And so my my education is in accounting. I have an accounting degree. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, very interesting. So two peas in a pod with you and the Sharon. Well, I actually, you know, I came to know Sharon because I was hired at the Rich Dad Company as an accounting intern. Oh, I did know that you were an intern. It went back that far. I did, but I didn't know that you were an accounting major. I just knew that you were an intern. And what did your father do, by the way? What was his uh, career? Well, when I was little, when we lived in Wyoming, he worked at um, a lumber yard, and then he started working at Fed Federal Express. He still to this day works for FedEx. Oh, really? Okay. So FedEx before, not Kinko's, but FedEx as FedEx. FedEx. Yep. Yep. Yes. Interesting. So, yes. So uh, Elizabeth, my producer, she's uh, she's saying yes. I don't know what she means by that, but yes. Um, but anyhow, so you, uh, your dad was, um, also very consistent, meaning in his career, he plugged in and did his work and was very, um, successful. You know, I mean, he didn't, you know, I listened to many people and their family are all over the place with different dynamics of that. Your family was very stable. So that's a very, very, uh, positive thing for your evolution. Well, my parents got divorced when I was in middle school, and we kind of had a more traditional um, situation. And I know my mom's watching now, so hello to my mom. Um, we had a kind of non-traditional situation where my, um, me and my siblings lived with my dad for a lot of years, and um, you know, so he was taking care of three kids, and um, he held steady and did what he had to do. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the most important thing, though, is that holding steady. And that's what children need and want. So then you were in um, college. And uh, and so what, how did that evolve that you met the lectors? I mean, how did that really come about? Because that's very exciting. So I put myself through college um, as a pharmacy technician. I worked um, in a pharmacy as a certified technician for many, many years. And um, kind of towards the end of my college years, I had done a couple of internships where I went to work every day and I sat in cubicles and... Um, punched numbers into a computer and did data entry. And these were things that were normal things in my field that other accounting students were doing. And one of the companies I worked for one day, the owner came in and had an absolute tirade, um, like throwing phones out window. I mean, it was, it was, it was incredible. Uh, And I already was not loving not loving it at that point. And so Mm -hmm. I remember going home and I was like, just, I was just done. I didn't like going to work every day. I hated sitting in a cubicle and I was like, I like people too much to sit in a cubicle. Like, this is not how I want to, this is not what I want to do. So I actually went back to pharmacy technician for the last part of my college, the last like year or so. Um, and in that time, the Rich Dad Company was looking for an accounting intern. And there was a liaison at the WP Carey School of Business that would communicate internship opportunities. And so I got an email into my inbox about this internship at the Rich Dad Company. At the time, I'd never read Rich Dad Porta. I had no idea what it was. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I'm going to do this because this is not, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go sit in a cubicle. It's outside the box. I, can, mm-hmm. I don't want to be a pharmacy technician for the rest of my life. I'm about to graduate, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I got to figure this out. 
And so that's how I came to become involved in the Rashad company and, and meet Sharon. Wow. 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 So, I, wow. I mean, that's all I have to say as well. And because there's so many things bubbling up in my mind about that, because that trajectory of taking the education, the spirit of excellence, the dedication, the determination, the focus, and then being blessed. Wow. To have that uh, exposure and that experience just on that level. Uh, so therefore, so this is Rich Dad. So Sharon was still partners and still involved. And so you uh, uh, were you were with the Rich Dad Corporation, but then evolved to work directly for Sharon, or did you stay um, with the Rich Dad Company, or how, what? What so did I, that look like? In yeah, I did work at the Rich Dad Company for several years. Um, and during that time, I was still, you know, my plan was always to become a CPA. I was going to work in public accounting and then I was going to go into industry and I was going to climb corporate ladders and, you know, be uber powerful businesswoman. Um, and between my initial internship experiences and then the education I got at Rich Dad and really just as a as a, an adult in my early 20s, kind of finding really what I wanted to do and what brought me not joy, but um, intrinsic, a feeling of intrinsic reward, satisfaction. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I came to the decision that I didn't want to be a CPA. So that was a little bit uncomfortable because my entire high school career and all of college, I had been on this track to take the CPA exam, to sit for the CPA exam and to be a CPA. And I had mentors that I was working with at the time, um, both in my family, as well as at the Rich Dad Company. And so I had to go tell all these people that I had told my whole life plan to that I was not going to do that. I was going to, you know, and, and so I was really afraid of disappointing a lot of people, um, even though I felt in my heart, like that was the right thing. I also felt like there was a lot of expectation around it and, but I did it, you know, I mean, it was, it was the right thing to do. And so I stayed at the Rich Dad Company for several years after that. Um, and I, my career evolved into a variety of different positions at the Rich Dad Company from, you know, reporting sales to managing inventory. Ultimately, I was responsible for reporting and compliance for all of our international licensees. Mm -hmm. So all the sales of the Rich Dad product all over the world, those reports came in and I reviewed them. I tallied them. I aggregated all that information. I communicated with the, uh, the licensees if they were out of compliance. Um, you know, it was, it was incredibly educational. Oh my goodness. What a, what a MBA. Yeah. Truly, truly. I mean, just extraordinary. And that is also, I'd like to share with our guests that, um, and viewers that this is, you know, often are, are, like you said, you are on a track. Mm -hmm. And you uh, perceive that that is the correct track, and you you said something very interesting that you had to share with um, people that expected that of you. You thought, mm -hmm. and you didn't want to disappoint them. But I'm sure all those people, they just want you to be happy. And that's and that's very very true. There was probably only one person that pushed back on me. Um, you know, if that was, if I was sure that that's what I wanted to do, but ultimately there wasn't anybody that expressed disappointment in my decision. I think the harder thing about that was for all of my life that I can remember, I've been a planner, you know, I like to know where things are going. Mm -hmm. And if we deviate from the plan, I like to know why, um, you know, and so I was creating my own deviation from the plan that I put in place, mm -hmm. which is a powerful position to be in. That's where we should all be sitting. It didn't feel like that. No, I understand. In hindsight, looking back, you see the power in that mm -hmm. and you see the, uh, the trajectory to the next place and the next place uh, by giving yourself the, uh, the it's okay and the power to make those decisions. Yes. To make that change or the, uh, but it just not so much change, but to go with that experience and learn because, wow, what an experience. So then what evolved from there? So I worked at the Rich Dad Company for several years. Um, and ultimately I got to do a lot of really cool things, including a lot of training. Um, that's where my very first public speaking gig was at 
um, speech for the National Junior Honor Society. But then I really didn't do a whole lot of that um, other than some presentations in college. And the Rich Dad and, and my the company, and my time there was a really great training ground for me to um, do training around teaching. Um, I really think that that's one of my natural skills is I do love to teach. And um, I love to see people get excited about things, especially things that can be practically applied. So, you know, if I'm involved in a presentation or something, or we have meetings mm-hmm. and I'm in the room, a lot of times I like to stop the conversation and say, what does the practical application of that look like? Because a lot of times people get stuck in theory mm-hmm. and that's why it's hard to translate it into action. And that's one of the things that gets me really excited about working with people as a results coach too, is that we get to translate theory into action through practical application. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I use the very, uh, very basic way to explain that is to break things down into small manageable parts. Yep. And, um, and that way people can see it, see that global playing field and make more um, clear decisions for themselves because otherwise you jumble it up. And um, it, like you said, you do, you become indecisive. So now, you, uh, now during this season, being at the Rich Dad Corporation, did you know Sharon? Yeah, I didn't know her like I know her now. Um, you know, so even as a small company, there was, you know, where the people that I worked with, I had um, the controller of the company that I worked with and the CFO. And so my daily interactions were with them. Um, but I did know Sharon and, you know, obviously got the opportunity to start being mentored by her in those years, seeing her work and seeing how she put deals together and being able to see the contractual side of things as well, because I was in the compliance um, part at at that point. So uh, I got to see the paper piece of how all of that came to life, which was really neat. Not only neat, but imperative imperative to uh and that's the i shared that uh, with you both i mean if i had had the proper mentorship in doing what i have done it would have been a very different thing you know and so that those um those tools and those um systems as uh, she calls it you know is uh, imperative to have in place so and when Sharon left, did you immediately um, or that relationship ended? Did you immediately go on with them? Well, the timing of that was actually overlapped when I was pregnant with my second son. So you know, I had planned to depart around the same time. Um, you know, just it didn't feel like it was the right place to be anymore. You know, and that was around the same timing as, you know, she was deciding um, that it wasn't the right place for her either, that it was no longer in alignment. And she talks about that story. So that's personal tell. But um, so I was pregnant with my second son and um, left the Rich Dad company and had my son. And um, I did some credentialing work. I did some financial analysis work um, in the healthcare industry after that for a little bit. Um, Not too much longer after that, though. um, I had a meeting in her house with her and Michael and her son and another gentleman that came into the business where we talked about continuing the work of financial education by providing affordable tools and engaging tools, but tools that spoke more directly to the teen age group, Mm -hmm. um, which was a gap you know, based on some of the products and and teachings, not that those, the products and teachings at Rich Dad weren't applicable to that age group, but there wasn't anything that spoke directly to them the way the products that that we were looking to create were. And I was really excited about that because I really felt like that gave me a chance to continue to do work that I felt was important, that I knew was going to directly impact my own kids who were super young at the time. I'm like, how incredible is that, that I can come into a company and I can do work on a daily basis. When I leave my children, I'm still supporting my children. I'm still benefiting my children because the work that I'm doing today is going to give them tools that will help them for a lifetime. Amen. (laughs) Amen. And the other piece to that is uh, that I'm observing is that uh, as they're growing, because they were, like you said, small, small children, they were surrounded by this, i.e. you, but also this um, team of people that, um, what better environment to be exposed to? Oh, yeah. My oldest son would go to 
Thrive Time game tournaments with me. He would help me set up. He would answer questions sometimes. He was still pretty young when we were traveling around the state doing that. Um, but I took him on a few and um, it was a really cool thing to be able to show him that and to bring him into the work that we were doing. And both of my children are very dear to Sharon. And, um, you know, it, it's literally my family has grown up in the time that I have known and worked with with the Lecter family and, and the work that we've done together. Yes, it's an extended family to you all. Yes, very much so. I observed that when you put together Sharon's birthday party, you know, how your fa- husband popped in at the end and yes. Yeah. That it's a part of the the whole family, so the um, evolution for you, Angela. Let's share a little bit about because you're such a. I've had the great benefit of observing and being um, uh, exposed to and learning from you. Um, you're. Uh, I don't think you realize how, um, and maybe you do. But I think this is something that uh, many people struggle with as well, is that, uh, like I said, you have been an achiever, but a quiet achiever. Mm -hmm. And you've been exposed to people that are very powerful. And uh, you're coming into your own power. And uh, and you came into it long ago, don't misunderstand, but you're beginning to exercise it. and so share with our guests a little bit about that, because you're the that strength behind, you know, it's like they say behind every successful man is a powerful woman. Um, and and so, you know, share a little bit about that being the second banana, uh, but also not really meaning Sharon is a, you know, individual who will allow you to to a blossom, I'm sure, um, in your own time and right. But share a little bit about that, because this is all about you and your experience, but also helping others to see themselves in these circumstances. Well, that's, you know, that's kind of a schizophrenic conversation, to be honest with you, uh, because I enjoy being a quiet achiever. I enjoy, you know, people talk about um, legacy, impact, and you know, I never had huge aspirations of being a stage speaker. I, you know, to this day don't have huge aspirations of um, being, having any celebrity presence. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe that my impact and legacy is going to be created because I am a quiet achiever that empowers other maybe yes. more visible achievers to do what they do. And I, and, and I have the ability to do that. And so, um, but as you know, as an entrepreneur, and there are, you know, the way that you do that now in today's world, visibility a lot of times is a key to that. And so, and the more people you can reach, obviously, the more people you can impact. So I have these two personalities where I'm like, you know, yes, I would love to do that. Um, And a lot of that too came from the fact that during the years I was, exposed to and learning about building businesses and and building a public platform and using a personal brand to help elevate your business brand or vice versa. Those were the years that um, my kids were very young. And my my number one decision was always, if it ever came down to it, I was going to, I was going to be at home. I was going to be a mom first. Mm -hmm. And Having that priority made it really easy for me to make decisions. Um, I do. I have traveled. I have spoken publicly, you know, been on interviews like this. Um, but especially when my kids were younger, it was I said no to a lot of things because I felt like that was the right decision. And in my heart of hearts to this day, I believe that that was the right decision. Mm-hmm. And um, the fact that I didn't have a hunger to be in the limelight worked in my favor in that instance. I didn't really feel like I was sacrificing. I felt like I was doing my true calling first, which was to be a mom. And um, after that, to do what I love to do to fulfill my professional um, desires, as well as support other people in creating what they want to. I've always said my dream is to help your dream come true. I mean, really, that's what it is. My dream is to help your dream come true. If I can help your dream come true, then I've done, I, I've done what I was put on this earth to do. And I really believe that I, to be a mom and to help your dream come true. Those are the two things that without a doubt, I can look you dead in the eye and tell you I was put on this earth to do. And I wholeheartedly believe it. My friend, you are mightily blessed. 
mightily blessed. Clarity leads to power that is powerful to understand early on that is truly, truly a blessing. And you've stayed true to it and you've um, uh, marinated in it and evolved in it. And uh, that is a true blessing. And I, it's been a joy for me to um, observe you in some of these Zoom type of environments because you um, are not afraid to interject your thoughts and um, and and often the, uh, the lectors defer to you and truly want you to you know do that yes now where did when did Michael join the team was he always involved uh, oh yeah. get go oh yeah I mean Michael was Michael and Sharon architected um, the the licensing strategy that that grew the the Rich Dad brand mm -hmm. um, you know so Michael and Sharon have been married for a long time so he's always been part of the team yes but I, I guess uh, because I knew he was with a practice mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. And, and again, that's that's more their story to tell. I think those are the fun details that um, it's it's fun to listen to them share publicly because they're they're quite the dynamic duo. Well, she has shared when she was with me about how they met and that story. But uh, but, you know, a lot of legal. And so I know that you've been impacted by Mr. Lecter. So oh, yeah, absolutely. That's why, that's why I was asking that question. Not so much about their personal but dynamic, but meaning that you've gleaned that information and grown with that. And it's very clear that you have that understanding. Yeah, you know, it was probably about, you know, eight or eight years ago or so where I started looking more more deeply at agreements and reviewing them and um, you know, commenting and asking questions. Um when I was a kid, I actually, before I, I went to college and decided to, to get a, an accounting degree, I was going to be an attorney. That was, that was my kind of first thing that I thought I was going to do. I was going to be an attorney. So um, it, it was pretty cool to be able to do that now. Yes. Not being an attorney. I'm not an attorney. But to be able to see the legal side of things and, and have a deep dive into it the way that I do. But look how God has, uh, you know, knitted and purled all that together for you and yeah. utilized your skill set. That's very exciting to see that all together. So you are uh, using what you've you know uh, built personally as well as with the lectors um, and putting together accountability. Tell us a little bit about that, what your your structure is and how you can serve others with that. Absolutely. Thank you for asking that. Um, you know, when it comes to what we do. The reason why Sharon and I work so well together is, um, I mean, she is an entrepreneur at heart and an amazing visionary. And so what I get to do is I get to look at how do we take that and execute on it? And what are the processes that need to be in place? And some of the stuff that you might call in the weeds, uh, but it, it again, it's taking I ideas and turning them into functioning entities or you know giving them life and that happens through accountability but my take on accountability is a little bit different you know a lot of times people consider accountability in terms of you know you haven't done what you're supposed to suck it up you don't like it too bad get it done anyway this is what you're supposed to do I don't believe that kind of accountability is effective in the long term. I think that, you know, sure, it can be effective. Maybe there's a place for it in certain circumstances. And sometimes you do have to suck it up and just get over it and do what needs to be done. But again, as a long-term motivator, uh, for most people that I have encountered in, in my career in the small business and entrepreneurial space, that, that doesn't work. And so you have to kind of figure out what works for you and create a process and a formula for implementing accountability into your life, especially when things are uncomfortable because it's human nature to avoid discomfort. Yes. So, you know, what are the things that you, accountability comes when you can practically apply strategies mm -hmm. to act in spite of the discomfort. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is with each uh, client to implement and customize the structure for them, what they're right. working on and what their needs are and also their personality. Because like you're saying, everyone's personality is different and how they approach things is different. Well, and what's meaningful to everyone is different. You know, okay. it, it, whether it's a business idea or it's something that you want to accomplish personally, 
what speaks to people is different and what's important to them is different. And so having a way to identify the intrinsic motivators, but also identify how they can use their natural personalities and natural strengths and they can play to them mm-hmm. to maximize results is, you know, I think it's a much more effective approach to accountability than finger wagging and telling somebody they just need to get something done. For sure. I, absolutely. I, I, you know, I look at that. I've read books recently on it. Um, I, you know, uh, read articles on accountability um, because it is something that, you know, procrastination and putting things off, but that one isn't necessarily hand in glove, are they? meaning because uh that's uh, accountability everyone's like myself i kind of break things down into small manageable parts and have i work on many things and it's it they often dovetail together but they also there you have to determine there's only so many hours in the day you know and what is the priority and so it doesn't necessarily mean that i'm not being accountable to this other project it's that this other one is more timely at this moment and they often fit together. Right. And I think you hit the nail on the head, Megan, when you talked about prioritizing and that's where people have difficulty when it comes to being accountable or following through. Is it, we are all dealing with so many competing priorities Mm -hmm. and, you know, internet, cell phones, Facebook, social media, family, business partners, customers, what I mean, that's a lot of that's a lot of input coming our way on a daily basis. And there has to be a way to objectively, not emotionally, but and I'm a high emotion person, like I'm going to tell on myself right now, I'm gonna tell you, I'm a high emotion person. I cry all the time because I process every emotion with tears, but I also, and that's one of the reasons why I know it's so important to have objective ways to make decisions. And when you have priorities, it takes the emotion out of decision-making when you're clear and you have conviction in your priorities, Mm -hmm. you know, if I was offered an opportunity to go travel and go to an event or speak, and I said no, because it was important for me to be home, that Mm -hmm. was because I was clear and I had conviction in my priorities. I said earlier, that is a blessing, Angela, because many people do not have that understanding. And, you know, we hear the term, you know, following the shiny object mm-hmm. and it, it, it can be dangerous. And it also, um, I have to have that accountability conversation with myself often because I'm, I'm kind of between Sharon and you, you know, personality wise. And, uh, um, and so I have, I get pulled off to ideas. I do, but it also has to then go through the filter of, you know, does, is it, uh, is it going to, um, is it going to fit a, eh? and will it enhance, uh, the other projects that I'm working on? And often, you know, this from working with Sharon, something that comes from left field, you have to be able to be very fluid and go over to that other place if it really takes priority. Well, and you ask yourself really great great questions. I think the thing that a lot of times people get stuck on Mm -hmm. is if you have priorities, you might find yourself saying no. And that's hard for people, especially if you perceive something to be an opportunity, Mm -hmm. Um, whether call it FOMO or, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times it's hard to say no to something that appears to be an opportunity. But Doing what you just talked about, Megan, and saying, does this enhance what I'm already doing or does it give me an opportunity, you know, that really, if you ask yourself, is this an opportunity that is worthwhile of me putting what I'm currently doing on pause or diverting resources over, you know, a lot of times people think in terms of if I'm being accountable to something, that means I'm sacrificing somewhere else. And that's not the case. It is you choosing, which again, that's the power. That's the most powerful position you can be in is to have choice. It is you choosing to maintain the priority that you've already put in place or choosing to maybe go in a different direction or choosing to say yes to something that does enhance it. But if you don't have the questions you can ask yourself Mm -hmm. to guide your decision-making process, then it's a lot harder to make great decisions. So I would listening to you um, and knowing my heart and what, how I operate um, because as, as you know, I've had to be by myself through many years. So I've had to create these questions for myself. 
um, over the years um, of priorities. But um, that I would assume anyway, I'm, I've not taken your um, work or been involved with your work other, other than being involved with you and with Sharon. Um, I would assume that that's probably one of the main things that you initially work with people is to help them understand the why, what is their priority? What do they really want to accomplish and to get clear on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to know what you're working towards in order to be efficient and effective at your efforts. You've got, you've got to know what you're working towards. How do you know if you've won, if you don't know what the, how you score a goal? I love that. I love that. That's a good one. Put that down, Elizabeth. <laughs> How do you know if you won? You yep. didn't know who scored the goal. That's that's a very, very apt statement. Yes. So um, now your sons are now, um, you've spoken about them uh, throughout, and now they're teens, very talented young men in their own right. See, their uh, one son is very artistic, mm -hmm. and the other gentleman is very athletic. Is that... Uh, that is the case. I have a 13 year old and he is my little, that he is my, he's not little. I was going to say he's my little artist. He's not little. He's almost as tall as I am. I'm, I'm a tall female. He's almost as tall as I am at 13. Um, and my oldest is 16 and he plays basketball in addition to, of course, being a student. Uh, he is also very tall as well. He, he grew way above and beyond the rest of us. He's six, seven. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and yeah. Greatest, greatest adventure, greatest joy, you know, and it sounds like a cliche thing to say, but no, no, no. And I've shared this before. And I believe this from, from even when I was a kid, I believe that God put me on this earth to be a mom. Mm -hmm. And that, and you're doing a great, great job. And these young men, you can just see, I, you know, I've been in your sphere for maybe three years now and uh, I, I've, I've watched them grow and evolve. And it's very, it's lovely to see that and to see uh, your family and everything, you know, involved with it. Now um, you shared with me, um, you know, well, let me just ask it this way. Um, so your accountability work and program and consulting that you're doing, uh, you're doing that in um, addition to your uh, work with the electors, correct? That is correct, yes. Yeah. So you're yeah. able to balance it and with your family and, and what you've been doing all these years. So you have found a, a balance with this for yourself. Yeah, it's it feels lopsided most of the time. I'm not really sure how well balanced it is, but yeah, I, you know, and it's just when I'm here doing this, I'm here doing this, and when I'm here doing this, I'm, you know, not that I am great at compartmentalizing. Just like you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I knew that I would wanted to be a mom, and I was meant to be a mom. That doesn't mean I'm the greatest mom. I'm pretty sure I screw up on a daily basis, but I know that I'm doing the best I can. And so I think that we just have to approach everything that way. <laughs> I am very blessed in that what I do is complementary to the work that I do with Sharon. And so I, I'm able to infuse it in there. Um, and as you said, she's very supportive of me, um, ex, you know, exploring and, and blossoming outside of what we do together in that area as well. I would say that um, that's one of the interesting things. And I don't know if that's the right word, but I'll use it um, for this time since last March and the change of our world. Uh, that it has um, changed time. It's changed the flow of time and the, and how we use time. Would you agree with that in your own um, work with the electors as well as building this own um, uh, structure for yourself, this own business for yourself? Well, I think that, you know, I have been very blessed to always have a very flexible schedule. Um, so when I first joined Pay Your Family First and, and um, as my partnership with Sharon has developed, um, family was always a priority and that was clear. And, and that was, I mean, our company is called Pay Your Family First. That's the name of our company. Have you reiterate that is the name of the company? Yes. Yep. Yep. Pay your family first is the name of the company. So there was, there was no disalignment. It was not incongruent. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't mean I didn't work and I don't work a lot and work hard. It just means that I may not do it in a traditional office space mm -hmm. between the hours of 8am and 5pm. Right. Right. 
So that, um, and but I guess with that it, it, the flexibility of structure that you've had over these years, um, I, your home right now, I would take it. And uh, and so you have, and you're able to work from there. It could be like you've commented that I might be working at, you know, uh, 3 a.m., but it uh, you can do it at your own pace and uh, work from, you know, with your family, which I think is a lot of people have found this year that has been a, you know, a blessing that they've been able to change that for themselves. Yeah. yeah I, I definitely think the the perception of um, what's required to be productive has changed. I think that there's people on both sides of the fence. You know, I think that I've definitely talked to people that they, I mean, they couldn't wait to get back to the office mm-hmm. because working from home is distracting and it's difficult. Um, you know, and other people who love the fact that they can get up and they can do their Zoom calls and nice clothes from here on up. And you know, so I think it's all based on your personal preference and what fits your lifestyle and, and your family's needs if there are if there are specific needs. So very true. So very true. So my friend, I always end this um, Unique Leaders Live with the same question. And it goes back to three feet from gold. And that's uh, every every week. And um, I ask my guest if they have ever read Three Feet from Gold, are they aware of it? <clears throat> Most people are, that Sharon Lecter and Greg Reed are the authors of Three Feet from Gold. And I share a bit about the, okay, good, yay. Yay, there it is. And uh, that's the anniversary issue? No, this is, this is actually from the original um, publication. Okay. Because I think it's the tenth anniversary, or it is. Yes, the tenth anniversary is is was published was released last year. So I, what I then share with our guests uh, is that um, you know if they have not read it, and and even if they have, how you know it's it's a um, fiction, and it's loosely autobiographical as it evolves but the beginning piece of it is about this gentleman who was uh from the east coast and got caught up in the gold rush time and came west and took his claim and started chiseling away at at his vein or his property there and we go into town and the townies were watching him and um was became very discouraged and he ended up selling this um, potential vein, gold um, vein, in you know out west to one of the townies, and that person just continued on what he had started, and in three feet, he struck gold. And in this book is Sharon's um, success formula, and it is passion plus talent times association times action plus faith equals success. Now, I don't, I'm not going to ask you at all, but what is your passion, Angela, and what is your talent? I've already shared, you know, if my passion is making, making your dream come true. And that's, that sounds so like to verbalize it that way. And, you know, but really like, I just, I, I want to help people build things. That's my passion is to help people that's build. Your, that, that's your tagline, Angela. Yeah. Logo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and my talent, I am detail oriented. I am a great devil's advocate. So when it comes to staying focused, I, that is a skill that is helpful. Um, and something I used to think actually was a liability. Um, I tend to be a little bit skeptical. I don't believe I'm a cynical person, but I am skeptical. But that means I ask a lot of questions and I am not afraid to ask what somebody is a dumb question. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I think, very enviable because it shows A, you're interested in B, you want to get to the meat and to help people, truly help them <clears throat> versus gloss over it. And to me that um, I put my money on you, girl, because I would like someone to ask those hard questions to and make sure that I don't uh, fall into the same traps that I have in the past. So, yes. So do you have a logo? We need to create our logo. (laughs) So, I'm here with um, Elizabeth Hauser, who's my producer and my graphic artist. And so we're, we're always 
kind of creating that way, are we not? Yes. Well, I do have a logo for my accountability program. I have an online accountability course. And so I do have a logo for that, but not a personally branded logo. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe we'll work on that. Well, I so appreciate you being in my life and being in my life and uh, space today on Unique Leaders. And um, everyone who needs that accountability coach. But as Angela shared, it's more than just that keeping you on track. It's that person who will dig in and make your dreams come true and help you in the right way. Mm -hmm. And um, really figuring out the right way for you. Um, So if you have a need, um, her information will be in the, um, in the post. It will be on everything that we post with this and on, um, you know, on YouTube, as well as the podcasting as well. So just do find Miss Angela Taubman. You will be blessed. Well, thank you, my dear, for being with me today. I truly, truly appreciate it. And I'm just going to say goodbye to our guests. And so you hang in the uh, green room for a bit, and we'll see you in a few. Thank you so much, Megan. And thank you for everybody who's joined today. My pleasure. Thank you, too. Wow. What a great time with Angela. Um, it's you know, as an entrepreneur, and I am, I am, um, you know, I'm, I've been called a serial entrepreneur, creating two skincare businesses and um, a, a medical spa, and now uh, uh, things I'm doing currently. Uh, people ask me all the time, why don't I retire? Why don't I stop? Well, as Angela is working in her genius and in her purpose and in her passion, um, I'm doing mine. And um, I'm really here for you and to help you understand and work towards finding, uh, identifying, I should really say, your passion and purpose and your talents and putting that together. So that is really the essence of the Unique Leaders Live. Uh, so I truly ask you a favor to uh, not only share this out with your um, your tribe, because it will help others find us, but also subscribe to the YouTube channel, which is Megan DiMartino, and give us a review. And then go to the podcast um, under Megan DiMartino and Unique Leaders and give us, again, another review. It's on iTunes and all of the other platforms. It would be really very helpful for other people to find us, because as this evolves and grows, and um, having guests on weekly, like Sharon Lecter, as we discussed, um, Angela and I discussed, but also, uh, you know, having Angela today and sharing just, you know, a, a, just such a rich um, essence of what she brings to the world uh, will only bless others. So we truly appreciate you uh, doing that for us and liking uh, the official Megan DiMartino um, Facebook page and Instagram and all of the other platforms would just be great. So thank you so much for joining us today. And we will see you next week on Unique Leaders Live. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to the Unique Leaders Podcast. If we said something today that resonated with you, please connect with me at megandemartino.com. I have a free gift for you. My book, Hope and Possibilities, Just Over the Horizon. It's never too early or too late to create the life of your dreams. And don't forget to head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. I would truly appreciate it. Be blessed.